So we're looking at the good news is the big news. And then we're going to celebrate Eucharist together. And just in case everybody goes home and says, what was that man speaking about this morning? I'm going to tell you exactly. Here it is in a paragraph. Good Friday is good because it is good news and it is big news about wholeness and about reconciliation. Jesus lived this truth. Through his death, he defeated the powers that bring death and fragmentation. Through his resurrection, his outpoured spirit, he brings wholeness and reconciliation through the church to every place where there is brokenness. This is the gospel. It is a gospel of reconciliation, which is both good and big. Thank you, Rhonda. So what we're saying today is that reconciliation is about the whole gospel for the whole person, for the whole city. The whole gospel for the whole person, for the whole city. And so we're going to read a passage of scripture here. It's found in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. This is a Bible, by the way. It's got pages in it and there's little things hanging off it. When I open up this Bible, no one can get me on Pinterest. No one can get me on Twitter. No one can get me on Facebook. No one can get me on email. I do love the phone sometimes, too. We put audio on the phone and let the Word of God speak to us. But sometimes it's nice to look to the Bible where no one can get you on email. No one can get you on social media. No one can get you. Mike, you know what that's like, don't you? You do. <laughs> He's got his Bible with him. <laughs> you're some, you're, is that yours? No, no, you just... He picked out a pew Bible, just wave, was waving it at me. And so we pick up at verse 18. I think I have the scripture here. And actually, I was looking at this this morning. So I'm going to start at verse 16, uh, just a little bit before this. Uh, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That's what we just did. That's, that's verse 16. It's not on the, on the overhead, but it's just two verses before at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This is the New Living Translation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Or as we said in the older versions, a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this, let's read this passage together. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And I'm going to read the next two verses. Uh, and some of you might not know this, but of course, when the Bible came to us, it didn't come with chapters. It didn't come with verses. It was just one long letter. So oftentimes, people have arbitrarily divided 
the passages so that we miss part of the thought. So in the next verse, it says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, he says, the right time is now. Let's say that. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Were they already saved? Yes. And he said, today is the day of salvation. He's writing to this church of Corinth. We don't know how many letters he wrote. We know he wrote three for sure. <laughs> but they were full of factions in a faction city. Some followed this person. Some followed this person. Some worshipped this way. Some were following this particular leader. And Paul addressed that in his writing. And he called them to this ministry of reconciliation reconciliation in that passage he uses the word reconciliation three times I've wrestled with this my whole life what is the gospel what is the gospel can you put the words of the gospel in one in one in one word I think the best word that you could use is reconciliation if you only had one word to describe the gospel and you are sitting down with either a new person from another country or a typical 23-year-old growing up in Halifax who's never been to church, you could use that word reconciliation and it would take you a long way because they would understand that there were two parties that once were together, now they're separated, and that the gospel is about bringing those two parties back together again, about reconciliation. It's about reconciliation with God. It's about reconciliation with ourselves. It's about reconciliation with one another. It's about reconciliation with different people groups. In fact, it's even about reconciliation with the earth. Because what does Paul tell us that Romans... In Romans, that the, the earth is groaning for what? Their day of reconciliation. It's day of redemption. When it's going to be reconciled back to the purposes that God had it intended in the first place. Well, what do we do? Well, that's not the gospel. You're out there on the streets talking about races, and that's not the gospel. You're over here talking about First Nations people, that's not the gospel. You're over here giving out the food. Well, we're over here preaching the gospel. That's false. It's a false distinction between what the gospel really is. It's all the gospel. It's the gospel of reconciliation. And that's what we're here to celebrate about. Good Friday is about reconciliation. It's not just changing our destination, the address of our destination. It's about reconciliation here and now. We have churches having communion who are not reconciled to one another. Drinking the blood, drinking the cup. And Paul says, don't do that. Some of you have gotten sick because of that. Now, there's a passage, right? Next Good Friday, we'll preach on that passage. Rhonda, you can do that one. Some of you have died because you're bringing division to the church. So reconciliation is a very, very key word in all this. So the question I have as we have my 
Seven and a half minutes left. Is it seven and a half, Glenn? Now I'm down to seven. The question is this. Where is their brokenness today? Where is their brokenness? Where is the need for wholeness? Where is their need for reconciliation? In your life, where is their need for reconciliation in your life? Where is their need for reconciliation in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood? Is there need for reconciliation in your neighborhood? Do we know our neighborhood enough to know that there would be a need for reconciliation? Where is there a need for reconciliation in our city? Think about these things as we look at the cross today. Well, I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there were five blind men. Some of you have heard this before. And they were walking down the road, and they came upon an elephant. What is this? asked the first one, who had run headfirst right into the side of the elephant. Well, the elephant's keeper said, it's an elephant. And he was sitting on a stool cleaning the harness. Wow, so this is an elephant. I've always wondered what elephants are like, said the man, running his hands as far as he could reach up and down the elephant's side. Why, it's just like a wall, a large, warm wall. What do you mean a wall, said the second man, wrapping his arms around the elephant's leg. This is nothing like a wall. You can't reach around a wall. This is more like a pillar. Yeah, that's it. An elephant is exactly like a pillar. A pillar. A strange kind of pillar, said the third man, stroking the elephant's trunk. It's too thin for one thing, and it's too flexible for another. If you think this is a pillar, I don't want to go to your house. This is more like a snake. See, it's wrapping around my arm. An elephant is just like a snake. Snakes don't have hair said the fourth man in disgust, pulling the elephant's tail. You are closer than the others, but I'm surprised that you missed the hair. This isn't a snake, it's a rope. Elephants are exactly like ropes. I don't know what you guys are on, the fifth man cried, waving the elephant's ear back and forth. It's as large as a wall, all right, but thin as a leaf and no more flexible than any piece of cloth this size should be. I don't know what's wrong with all of you, but no one except a complete, can I say the word idiot? I just did, thank you, Debbie. No one except a complete idiot could mistake an elephant for anything except a sail. And as the elephant moved on, they stumbled along down the road, Arguing as they went, each sure that he and he alone was right and all the others were wrong. Whereas the truth is that an elephant is an elephant. So when we ask the question, what is the gospel? We've had many answers, many parts of the gospel as answers in Halifax. Walls, pillars, snakes, ropes, sails, 
but often not the whole elephant. As we often say, today, in this place, there's an elephant in the room. It's an elephant. It's called the gospel. It's the good news of the kingdom of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gospel of reconciliation and wholeness wherever the effects of sin have brought brokenness and fragmentation. It's not only good news, it's big news. It's big, big news. And someone might be saying, well, I thought this was Good Friday. I thought we were talking about the cross. Well, we are. How is this tied into Good Friday? How is this tied into the Eucharist? The communion service, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread and, and juice or wine. How is this related to this? About reconciliation. What is the thing that we're celebrating today? And so when we, 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 we have to pause every time we do this to link Eucharist with Passover. You cannot understand Eucharist if we don't understand Passover. Eucharist is Passover. When Jesus broke bread, drank wine, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples. And so at the particular time at Good Friday, Jews had come from all over the world, all over the Mediterranean world, as they did every year at this time of Passover, to celebrate one thing. What was that one thing? They were celebrating the Exodus. So they came from all over the world to come into Jerusalem to celebrate Exodus. You know the story of Exodus, how God chose Moses to lead the people of Israel out of bondage from Egypt through the, through the wilderness into the promised land. And they sacrificed the lamb, put the blood over their doorposts. So they were coming to Jerusalem every year for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It had been 1,500 years since the Exodus, and they were still coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And on that afternoon, that Friday afternoon, some Jewish scholars think it was Wednesday afternoon that year because of the lunar calendar, but we'll go with the flow since it is Friday. We'll say good Friday that at the same time that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was on that cross offering himself up as a Lamb of God, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that in the temple they were doing what they did every year for hundreds and hundreds of years, offering up a Lamb without blemish. So they could experience the exodus. But the Jewish people, the Jewish people were celebrating that, but they were in grief. They were sorrowful people because they were still a people that were in exile in their own land. They were in exile in their own land because they did not rule their land. They did not have a king over their land. They were ruled by the Roman Empire. And so they had Passover. As they were celebrating Exodus, they were also in exile in their own land. Correct? This is all Bible, by the way, right? It's all Bible. It's the story of the Eucharist. It's the story of communion. It is the story of 
Passover. Passover, the Eucharist, is a story of reconciliation of God and his people and the purposes and promises of God being restored. Of course, the whole thing was flipped because they were watching this. They were watching this self-proclaimed Messiah saying, he is not doing what we thought he would do. The Romans are still in power. Pilate is still on the throne. We are still in a place of exile in our own land. And here we were, the one that we were hoped to turn everything around. And now he is here on the cross with criminals, with thieves. That's why the disciples were so heartbroken. And they would only understand it on the other side of the Passover. In fact, when they came into their experience at the Feast of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit 50 days later would come down, and fill them with joy and fill them with presence. And at that moment, Peter, who was full of depression and despair at one point, he would be raised up in understanding the difference between exile and exodus and Passover, that now this Lord Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is indeed not only the king of Israel, but the king of the whole world. <sighs> one and a half minutes to go. So it is about Passover. What were the signs on that day? The sky turned dark. All the prophecies of the prophets were coming true. Dead people got out of their graves and walked into the local Tim Hortons. And I'm sure got their coffee for free. You can just take this. For those of you who were new to the church, that's what happened. Dead people. I would have loved to have seen that. Dead people. You're going like, Uncle Frank. I went to your funeral six years ago. Dead people. Like, we read those words of the gospel like, oh, yeah, dead people. Do that this afternoon. We're going to Swiss Chalet. You can come too, by the way. You just have to pay for yourself. You go in there. Imagine a dead person, you know, ordering a quarter chicken dinner. Work with me, folks. This was a sign. This was a sign that this was an important thing. Traitors like Peter were forgiven. A curtain as thick as a man's hand ripped from top to bottom in the temple. Access to God was now available to everyone in every place at any time. A large earthquake shook the earth. An eclipse of the sun covered the earth. All signs that even God's good creation was one day, was being affected and one day would be restored. Roman soldiers who had gambled for the clothing of Jesus had pushed a spear through his flesh, had mocked his claims of divinity, fell on their knees and said, surely he was indeed what he said, the Son of God. This is why we gather on this day in the city. To come away from all the activities and things that have consumed us and to say there's a bigger thing, there's better news than what we have been listening to. There is forgiveness for the broken man. There is forgiveness for the shame-filled woman. Wherever there is hope, there's hopelessness. Oh, sorry, that's not right. Hope, wherever there's hopelessness. Thank you, Glenn. I'm so glad you're right in front of me. <laughs> so in conclusion... Let's just summarize. We're talking about the whole gospel, reconciliation, 
broken in our relationship with God, with ourselves, with one another, with the earth. The Easter event is about God bringing reconciliation and wholeness. Not just the forgiveness of sins, not just changing our eternal destination. It's about healing. It's about salvation. It's about restored relationships. It's about overcoming racism. It's about justice. It's all gospel. Gospel is reconciliation. There's no division between gospel and these other things. It's gospel. It's good news. It's euangelion. It's an announcement that something new has come, that God has done something big and good in Christ. It's big. It's good. Just let it out. Let the elephant have his way in the room. It's a gospel. It's big. It's the whole enchilada. Now I'm mixing my metaphors. So it's the whole gospel, and it's for the whole person, our mind, our spirit, our body, our relationships, for our marriages. It's the gospel for the single person who chooses to be single in the church. Do you know what it's like to be a single person and choose to be single in the church? Have you met my nephew? Have you met my niece? Oh, look, new person in church. Fresh meat. Blood, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) There's some people who choose to be single in the church. And it's a good thing. Jesus was single. Paul was single. Lots have been single. Okay. Women, you don't need to be married. Men, you don't need to be married. You can be single and you're not half a person. Work with me here. But I was thinking on being married. That's good too. I'm just saying. It's the whole gospel for the whole person, for those who are divorced, for those wrestling with their sexuality, the people battling with anxiety, battling with panic attacks, crippling depression. I was off for 282 days with a mental stress leave and sabbatical. We know the power and the crippling effects of depression and mental health struggles. It's got to be a safe place to be in the church with that. It's got to be. Some of you are here because it's Good Friday, not because you want to. Joy has left the house a long time ago. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. God is kind. He's good. This has got to work, people, this gospel thing. It's got to work. It's got to help people, not condemn people. It's got to lift them up, not tear them down. We've got to be in that place. It's for the whole person. So I just want, I felt like there was somebody here today. Whatever you're struggling with today, God's love is here for you. His hope is here for you. I pray that you'll experience him today as you take that cup and take that bread. Do you know that the gospel is good news? It's for you. You're not alone. It's for the gospel, the whole gospel, for the whole person, for the whole city. How diverse is Halifax Regional Municipality, HRM? Tell a person from Dartmouth that they need to call their neighborhood now Halifax. Anybody from Dartmouth here? 
I know it's a branding thing. I realize that. How diverse is it? Do we have broken parts in our city? Are we honoring those who were on the land hundreds of years, thousands of years before the Europeans came? Do we know some of their names? Do we know who they are? Does the gospel of reconciliation say anything at all to that or nothing? Are we really willing to do away with the mentality of CF? A. Who should have a place at the table? If it is a whole gospel for the whole person, for the whole city, who should have a place? Because of Easter, on the cross of Jesus Christ, not only was sin atoned for, the spirits of destruction were defeated, and the kingdom of God came down to, all, to us. And Jesus said, keep praying for that to happen. Your kingdom come. You will be done here in this room, wherever we go. The reign and the rule of God. And this was vindicated, of course, through the resurrection and actualized, I know big words, actualized the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. Let's give up our little views of the gospel. Amen? It's not one. It's not the other. It's both. And it's all gospel. It's all good. And it's big. So the Eucharist, as we prepare our hearts, the Eucharist is the place where we experience and we celebrate the reconciling power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's be reconciled. Let's be ambassadors of reconciliation. And so we celebrate it in so many different ways. We're celebrated a particular way today. It's not so much about the way. It's the manner of the heart. It's the manner of which we receive it today. So I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And then I'm going to turn it over, I think, to our worship team and to Pastor Rhonda, who will lead us. Let's just... Uh, Allow the word of reconciliation that we heard from 2 Corinthians 5, and it's come through the preaching of his word. Whatever thing he has for us as a church today, and for particular individuals that are here today, we say, come Holy Spirit, come breathe on us. Let the seeds of your word go deep in our hearts. And I see seeds going into the hearts of many people here today that we will reap a harvest of reconciliation. Imagine what it would be like if simply the 2,000 people that are, effect, that are going to this, these four services leave their sanctuaries today as ambassadors of reconciliation. That's a lot of people going back to university in their neighborhoods and their workplaces. Jesus used us, but today, move our hearts again through this communion.
Amen.